Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue through the book of Isaiah with chapter 9. And where we left off previously in chapter 8 was there was a warning of a coming invasion, a coming battle ahead, and there was a call from God to trust him in it and through it. And we continue on in chapter 9 verse 1. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood-stained by war will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So we're going to pause there. Isaiah does this really great thing. He has a really great gift for speaking of the current situation as well as the coming of Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, Yeshua, as well as the future second coming of Jesus in the millennial period. And he does that very specifically in this chapter. And Matthew four fifteen through 16 fulfills this prophecy of Jesus being God's light for sinners. He is the light. And he says that they will experience the light. Jesus will come to this region specifically, and they will experience the light. And Luke 1, 78 through 79 also speaks of this. And this was all prophesied over 700 years before it actually happened. It was spoken that Jesus was coming. A Messiah was coming. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be turbulence. There's going to be hardships. But rest assured, there is a hope. There is a savior. Jesus is the answer. A light will shine. He will break the the darkness and he will break the yoke of our slavery. He'll break the yoke of the chains and the burdens of our sins. The heavy burden will be lifted from our shoulders because a child is being born. A son is given to us, the son of God. And when Jesus comes into the, to the earth as a human, the humanity, he, he was born as a child, a teeny tiny little baby, making him so human and able to connect with us on a human level. And he's saying, look, hold on to this hope, this promise of a coming savior, the promise of a son being born to us. Hold on to this hope while you are in exile, while the judgment is going on. Trust in the Lord and hold on to the hope. And then he goes on further into the second coming where he says, The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. There will be no more need for boots, for war, for equipment, for battle. 
they will not need that anymore because there's going to be eternal peace. And we can trust in God that he's going to take better care of us than any human could. And he speaks of the, the current, the future, the already, the not yet, the now, the first coming, and the second coming, all within these words. And when he speaks of Jesus, he's he's speaking into the kings of the time. This is a very political season for the nation, and he speaks into that. But he also speaks into Jesus and the coming Messiah. And he he's going to be in human flesh, and he will run the government with supernatural spiritual wisdom. And Yeshua will be present, and he will carry the government on his shoulders. And he's our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of peace. And he will bring peace to earth. And in Revelations 2, 27, let's just turn there. In Revelations 2, 27, again, we see the fulfillment of this prophecy come forth. And scripture confirms scripture every single time. If you ever have questions, look to scripture because you'll find the answers within scripture. In verse 27 of chapter 2, it says, They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Before that, it says, To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my father, and I will give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So he's going to bring complete peace, complete trust. There will be no battle. There will be no sin. There will be no pain. There will be no sorrow. There will be no suffering. The supernatural wisdom of God himself will rule, and we will have eternal peace. In the Father, our God. Father means originator or source. And our God is the source of life, our creator. And the Father of our eternity, if we choose Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we can rest in him. And Satan is the father of lies, the source of lies and dishonesty and distrust and twisting. And and he is the father of lies. And God is the father and source of life for all eternity. And we get to pick who we want as our fathers. In verse 8, it continues, The Lord has spoken out against Jacob. His judgment has fallen upon Israel. And the people of Israel and Samaria, who spoke with such pride and arrogance, will soon know it. They said, We will replace the broken bricks of our ruins and with finished stone and replant the felled sycamore fig trees with cedars. But the Lord will bring Rezin's enemies against Israel and stir up all their foes, the Syrians from the east and the Philistines from the west will bear their fangs and devour Israel. But even then, the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. For after all this punishment, the people will still not repent. They will not seek the Lord of heaven's armies. Therefore, in a single day, the Lord will destroy both the head and the tail, the noble palm branch and the lowly reed. The leaders of Israel are the head and the lying prophets are the tail. For the leaders of the people have misled them. They have led them down the path of destruction. That is why the Lord takes no pleasure in the young men and shows no mercy even to the widows and orphans. For they are all wicked hypocrites, and they all speak foolishness. But even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. 
The wickedness is like a brush fire. It burns not only briars and thorns, but also sets the forest ablaze. Its burning sends up clouds of smoke. The land will be blackened by the fury of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people will be fuel for the fire, and no one will spare even his own brother. They will attack their neighbor on the right, but will still be hungry. They will devour their neighbor on the left, but will not be satisfied. In the end, they will even eat their own children. Manasseh will feed on Ephraim, and Ephraim will feed on Manasseh, and both will devour Judah. But even then, the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. So here we have a pretty strong declaration that judgment is coming. God cannot let go sin go unpunished because otherwise he wouldn't be God, holy, pure, and righteous. He does have to bring forth justice and and judge and rule. And if we don't turn from our sins, we do face judgment. And it, it's up to us. We can turn from our sins and seek repentance. That's what he says. They didn't seek repentance. They didn't turn. So then they have to pay for their sins. God wouldn't be good if he let sin go unpunished, but he is good. And to see how good he is, you see, have, you have to see how bad sin is. And Joseph's two sons, they end up, it says they're going to feed on each other, but then they come together and devour Judah. And a new king is going to be born from a, from a virgin. We get Jesus. We get a savior. We get redemption. We know this happens because we have the scriptures to read ahead. The Israelites at this time didn't have thousands and thousands of words to feast on given by the breath of God himself to lead them and guide them. We do, and we need to not take that for granted and spend time with God and let him lead us and guide us and be quick to repent, be quick to fall on our feet before Jesus and enter the kingdom of God daily. We were given a savior because we needed a savior. And the Old Testament shows us how desperately we need that savior. And these first books in Isaiah, the first 39 chapters, show us the judgment because of how desperately we need a savior and how broken we are without that savior. And it points us to Jesus. It all points to Jesus, our savior, our redeemer, and our hope, even in turbulence. Thanks, y'all.